the average student debt right now stands at $30,000. That's like the loan of a medium-priced car, right. not even a nice car. You know, to tell me that that's going to be burdensome on somebody when the returns are typically enormous. The average college graduate will earn close to a million dollars more than somebody with just a high school degree. Okay. That is a great investment. If the sound of a machine tool removing metal gets your blood pumping, then you are Metal Working Nation. This is Making Chips, where we talk all things metalworking, engineering and design, production and tooling combined with business best practices, technology, marketing, news, and new media for manufacturing professionals. Here are your hosts. Business owners, metalworking experts, and guys who get dirty on the factory floor, Jim Carr and Jason Zanger. Now, let's make some chips. Hey, Metalworking Nation, Jim here. Just want to let you know that this is part two of the Bill Strauss interview. Hope you enjoy. Bill, do you think we're ever going to, like, we're going to ramp up. Do you think there's ever going to be another manufacturing renaissance where things are really good? Well, I think I think there's the opportunity to see, you know, improved performance. Uh, and yes, I do believe that uh, we're going to see stronger growth come at some point when the economy begins to grow a bit uh, faster. But right before the recession, we were producing more in the United States than ever before. We have come back. Uh, we're still below that level, even after seven years. Yeah. But we are 80 percent of the way back. But we've also done that, bringing back only 40%, less than 40% of the workers that lost their jobs. So you're saying that we still have not recovered no. yet from, from the downturn. No, that's but, I interesting. but I think that's true for many countries around the world. We, when you look around the world, the U.S. economic performance, as much as we're talking about it being a bit disappointing, we're the envy of the rest of the world. I just came back from a conference in Paris, and coming out of that, it was like there was really no signs of strength anywhere in the world. Um, and so when the very fact that, that the U.S., and I'll include in there the NAFTA region, because NAFTA's under attack right now, but I would say uh, add to that the Canadian economy and the Mexican economy, you know, we're about the strongest region uh, in terms of economic growth in the world. And that is less of a brag about our performance and more of just a sorry state of the rest of the world. Well, what, mm -hmm. what do you attribute the fact that we are doing so much better than France and Brazil is not doing well and China is intentionally ratcheting down their production, but what do you attribute that to? So I, so I think, well, certainly you can look at a couple of factors. Uh, you look at what's going on in uh, in Brazil and Russia, it's, it's an energy story there where energy prices collapsed. And uh, the U.S. played no small part in that, uh, largely because of the private sector of the U.S. economy developing new technologies of high, combining hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling. Both technologies had been around for decades but it was the actual combining of that uh, resulted in this release of a tremendous amount of energy that we have known about for decades, but we just had no concept of how to efficiently pull it out of the ground, that being in particular the, the, the Bakken, Eagle Ford, and, and the Marcellus shale plays. Um, 
that released a tremendous amount of additional natural gas as well as oil, uh, and, and that resulted in a real collapse that we saw with, uh, with regard to the price of uh, petroleum. Uh, that has really impacted those countries far more than, uh, than it has impacted us. We're still a net user of energy. Well, I know, I mean, in Texas is suffering because of that too. Texas, you know, especially uh, the and so forth. But it's still just roughly 5% uh, of our economy. If you include the ancillary services, maybe about 10%. 90% of the economy still benefits from low energy prices in part oh, so because- you, So you actually think for the manufactured industry, even though those low energy prices are going to hit particular people, particular regions, overall, it's a good thing yeah. for manufacturing. If you are supplying the manufacturing, the, the energy sector, so if you were producing pipe for them, if you were producing- Making fracking boxes. Exactly. Whatever whatever material was being used for energy production, you're clearly hurt by that. But keep in mind, I mean, it's hard to find another industry which uses as much energy as uh, manufacturing. So the very fact that our manufacturers are paying less for their electrical needs, because a lot more of our electricity is being uh, produced using uh, natural gas, and those prices have come down. The logistics of just moving around the heavy pieces of material that manufacturers need to transport, mm-hmm. the cost of that has has gone down quite uh, sharply. Uh, so, and, and then the consumer, two-thirds of our economy, are net users of, of energy, and we have seen, a, a, though basically as a share of their total spend, the lowest prices that we have seen since I've been alive, uh, less than no four kidding. cents out of every dollar. Uh, if you went back to the 1960s when people talked about, you know, oh, would it be great to go back then when we had 25 cent a gallon gas and you fill up and they give you a glass, uh, you know. Uh, wash your windows, yes. you know, all that kind yeah. of great stuff. And a pack but, of cigarettes. All, for, all but, for 25 cents a gallon. But, I wasn't yeah, alive then, but, but that's what I hear but about incomes, it. But, in, <laughs> but in, incomes were so much lower right. that that 25 cent a gallon uh, yeah, it's all relative. It was all relative. It was close to seven cents out of every dollar spent. Oh, today, wow, that's interesting. Today, it's less than four cents. Okay. So okay. is it a surprise? So that we need to stop complaining about the good old days, right? I, well, we, can, we, can talk, we can talk long about that, of anything. Uh, you know, people talk about, you know, I'd rather be, you know, lower income in, in our society today than higher income back in the 1960s. Because when you think about the lack of goods that were available back then versus what we have available today, you know, even for middle-income people, you know, they didn't have cell phones. Only the super wealthy, the elite, had had that kind of technology. Let alone the computers that we wear on our hips. Uh, right. uh, and and then you know the pharmaceuticals that we have today to keep us healthier. Right. Um, the you know so, uh, I mean, my parents didn't get a color television till the mid 1970s. Let alone that even you know you uh, relatively modern income individual, poor income individual could have a flat screen TV in HD. Right. You know? yes. uh, so, now, so, now, now we just need medicine in order to calm us down from being high strung from using all well, of the I, uh, computer screens. Well, I, I I, yeah, so I think what we tend to do is we make a lot of relative comparisons and we don't make as many historical comparisons. And I think that's one of the things I, I enjoy about my field is that we do try to look back and think about how things have changed over some period of time. So we can't forget the past uh, uh, and and, uh, so I, I agree. So now, when you mentioned that two percent uh, or two point one percent per year, what what number? What is that based on? What what is that? Based so on? yeah, that's a great question, and because it's not a number, which because is, people throw numbers around, and they're right. all that you know they come right. from different sources, and right. so I I feel very confident. So in, so there are only two ways that any economy can grow: 
period. Only two ways. The first way is labor force. So, uh, and labor force, of course, is directly related to your birth rates of your country plus your immigration policy. Uh, in the United States, uh, we have our, our, our population growth about 0.8%. Uh, half of it, by the way, native-born, half of it immigration. Uh, and so uh, that means that with each and every year, we have 0.8% more people to contribute towards the goods that we produce. So we have more hands to, to, to grow the economy. And that leads to a higher economic pie. Uh, the size of your pie rises by 0.8%. However, that makes you a larger economy, it does not make you a wealthier economy. Because while it's 0.8% larger output, well, you got 0.8% more people that want their slice of that pie. So it really leaves your living standards unchanged. The way that you improve and grow your economy, the second way, is the way that is directly linked to your living standards. And that is doing things in a smarter more efficient, more effective way, what we call in economics, productivity. Uh, and productivity growth is uh, a little harder concept to grasp because there are numerous ways that that can occur. Uh, it can occur by either uh, just adding more machines to the process. We were talking about that with manufacturing. Uh, but also it's, in, it's taking better machines. Uh, getting uh, rid of the old ones. Getting and, rid of yeah. right, the old ones, putting in better ones, uh, improving the software that, that, that drives them. Uh, and... Uh, in addition to that, uh, it's also figuring out new ways of doing business, such as uh, you know just-in-time uh, inventory processes, uh, which had little to do with uh, any any new technology. Just a smarter way of saying, if we can just figure out a way of timing to get the material to arrive just when we need it, instead of warehousing and paying for that enormous cost savings, that was figured out by a business person. So, uh, and finally, and the mo and probably my most important aspect of this is human capital. Trying to make sure that your workforce is well-educated and well-educated for the jobs that are gonna be needed to be done. And if you could improve your education, it improves your, your uh, output and improves the productivity and improves living standards in your economy. Yeah, and, th and that goes back to you know what we say all the time here on Making Chips is that you, know, um, you and I both went to Northwestern University. We got our master's degree from there. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to have that as the sites that they set for their children. So, you know, manufacturing is a great career. And, you know, it's a great career that you can have straight out of high school and you can make good money for that. And it's needed and we need it more in the future. And that's going to contribute towards increasing our economy. And it's fun and it's clean and it's computerized and it's, you know, hip. Highly I mean, technological. Yeah, yeah so absolutely. I, I, want, I want to get back to that point. Let me just finish, though, the, the last point, which was about how that growth rate. So we think of productivity in the United States running between one to one and a quarter percent. So that's where you can add the two growth rates. And this means every year our economic pie by being the United States, working as hard as we do to create this productivity, we get an extra one to one and a quarter percent more output without worrying about the labor side. So therefore, that technology and that improvement gets shared among the populace. So if you want to see what the future of living standards are, focus on productivity. And if you do policies that hurt productivity, you're going to wind up reducing uh, your level of living standards uh, down the road. Um, which brings up your issue about the skills that we need. You're absolutely right. We don't need to have everybody go to college. That being said, 
we do need an educated workforce. And education does can mean a wide variety yes, of things. It, can, it could be going for NIM certification, a welding certification, uh, you know, something uh, beyond high school. I had mentioned uh, with human capital, my biggest concern, in part, it's that if you look at the labor data that's available, every month the Bureau of Labor Statistics surveys uh, people in, in the workforce. And they categorize and ask them, what's your highest educational attainment? And they have four categories. High school dropouts, those who just have a high school degree, and nothing more. That represents a third of our workforce over the age of 25. Um, and with regard to the jobs for these individuals, well, over the past 12 months, we actually needed about 400,000 fewer of these low-educated workers. Um, and this is not a new phenomenon. This is not with the push of for $15 an hour minimum wage causing this, although that will not be helpful for this story. Uh, this has been going on for 25 years at least. Um, and in fact, over the past 25 years, we've needed about 200,000 fewer of these individuals each and every year. All the job gains that we are seeing in this economy are going to some people with knowledge, right? We're a knowledge-based economy, which means that to be successful, you need to have knowledge. And that is something that is of individual liberty pursuit, that is the responsibility of individuals. Certainly, I think we, we are not paying enough attention about this or solving the problems with regard to our education system, which we all know is being ranked lower and lower in terms of our globally competitive uh, system of getting kids prepared for you know what the what life the workforce, holds yeah. for them uh, down the road. You think that's just because you know the um, just the the relevancy of what kind of an education that people are getting out of undergrad in compare in in relation to the cost of that education is 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 out of whack so uh, you know i don't even want to go into the the concept of of, of whether or not uh, uh education at the college level is 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 valued or not i'll, I'll make a brief comment but no, i was more, i was more addressing high school okay um in fact so you talk to colleges and they'll tell you how much remedial work that they need to to do even for those coming into college that they're, they're ill prepared relative to many others. Well, I mean, we, we're big proponents of you know getting that manufacturing education even at the high school level, right. and you know there's a lot of high schools out there like we had, um, you know, the Leiden um, yeah. high schools on making chips, and you know they're getting NIMS accreditation right. in high school. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I think I think it's worthwhile having those types of programs available for those who have little interest to pursue a college degree or a college track type program and then you know hooking them up with uh, apprentice type of opportunities at uh, you know manufacturers is something to give them a little taste of, of what that career could be like um, but uh, you know I think with regard to the uh, college I think some of this is, is overblown in as much as you know yeah the, it got a lot of attention when it hit a trillion dollars of total debt but guess what? We are encouraging people to be to get more and more education. In fact, that that number, that one third that I shared with you, that is high school or less. If you went back 25 years ago, that was closer to 50 percent. Mm -hmm. So the good news is that we We're are improving. in fact improving. Yeah. It's it's the the sad news is it's improving very slowly. Mm -hmm. um, and but with that in mind, with more people going to get training in college and educated, uh, it's going to require greater amounts of. Uh, of 
of investment. And investment typically takes borrowing to accomplish. Uh, businesses borrow all the time to buy machinery. Um, so the, you know, the average student debt right now stands at $30,000. That's like the loan of a medium-priced car, right. not even a nice car. You know, to tell me that that's going to be burdensome on somebody when the returns are typically enormous. The average college graduate will earn close to a million dollars more than somebody with just a high school degree. Okay. That is a great investment. Now, what you study and which schools you choose and the you know type of loans you take are very important. And, you know, I think we need to perhaps do a better job uh, informing people of what career uh, opportunities are when you graduate uh, with certain degrees. But, uh, you know, I think that, that, that these, these are all solvable type problems. Bill, I, I, we're getting pretty close on time, but I, I still have a, quite a few questions. So what I'd like to do is I want to do some quick fire questions. Okay. So I can be very brief. Yeah, so either yes or no or just very short. My dad always used to tell me, first one, my dad always used to tell me, Jim, cash is king. Is that mantra correct? Um, it depends. Uh, in terms of uh, what, what happened during the financial crisis, I think uh, cash was very dear. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and a lot of banking relationships were strained uh, during that time period. So I would say uh, companies are being a little bit more cautious, uh, over overreaching um, with, with debt. Okay. Uh, money is cheap right now to borrow, right? We all, we all know that. Should we be borrowing money to invest in capital equipment as a small manufacturer? Um, I would say, uh, and I heard this from a, from a, one of my uh, contacts who said that they were advised to borrow until it hurts, given how low the price is. That being said, you know, he also acknowledges the fact that you're you're not going to borrow if you're not going to use that machine. Right. Ultimately, these these are machines to make money to produce things. So, you know, I think it's it's a tough decision, and I think that's part of what this moderate growth is is hurting. It's it's, it's not like opportunities are passing you by. Many companies are just running overtime to try to sate this extra demand that you get on a good month so they That's can exactly scale back uh, when, yep. when things fall back the next month. Prime lending rate, is it ever going to move up? They, I, they've been talking about that prime lending rate is going to be going up for the last seven to ten years. It's not, it's not doing anything. Now by, it's just sitting there. By prime lending, what are you referring to the federal funds rate? That yeah, the, right, right. So the Fed had a very low interest rate policy. Uh, we increased it by 25 basis point, a quarter percent in December. Um, but, you know, when we look at the fact that the economy still has probably slacked throughout the economy, right. everything from the labor market to manufacturing to the housing market, uh, we're seeing little inflationary pressure in the economy. So uh, it's our view at the Chicago Fed that we probably have some some leeway to wait to see you know uh, greater traction for growth in the economy got it that's all I have that's thank you I know those were questions that I wanted to get out I wanted to make sure we get them in because I think it's relevant to a lot of manufacturers out there and they appreciate that advice Absolutely. Yeah, I, I have one other quick question and I actually don't know if this is something that you can answer Bill but my understanding, I, I, I do listen to economists once in a while because I, you know, Jim and I have talked about this before, but I like to kind of see where things are five years out from now. And my understanding is that we're going to see, you know, we've, we've been um, 
seeing the economy grow at about 2.1% a year. But my understanding is that around like 2019, we're going to see a little bit of a minor recession. And then around 2029, um, we might see actually more of a, you know, some maybe a depressionary area. Is that something that you 2029? Yeah, 2029. Yeah, so about 12 years God, from now. So is that something that you can, I mean, you might not be concerned with it, Jim, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to be working. That's why, so. that's why I had to ask. So, so 2029? So I'll give you the, wow. the fact looks out uh, not quite that far. We go out to 2018 and we see basic, basically this moderate performance continuing. And by the way, if we reach the end of 2018, this will be a record length expansion. We can complain again about its performance in terms of the growth rate, but in terms of duration, uh, we're, we're now in the fourth longest expansion since World War II. Um, so uh, uh, actually, no, I think since uh, even longer than that, going back to the 1800s, forgive me on that. Um, so this is going on for quite a while, but it's, it's, it could be a bit of this tortoise economy that you know moderate and steady is, is performing where we're not building up these imbalances. So with regard to a recession in 2019, you know, whenever I hear somebody talk about that, uh, not to say that they're wrong, because clearly the economy at some point will have a downturn. It's, just, it's always it. going to happen. I mean, it's always, always. if you look at history, when. it always happens. Well, the, but the thing is, it doesn't happen because we run out of steam. Right. I don't think any of your listeners are going to say, wow, I just heard, you know, a nice uh, discussion and I feel good enough that I've made enough money and they're going to put their feet up on their desk and they're just going to chill. Right? No, no, of course no, not. No, not do that. That's no, not who we are no, as manufacturers. Of course not. Or, or any business. Yeah. So what happens, what happens is you get what we call some kind of a negative shock, something that will cause you to alter your path and your 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 growth rate that you would normally be experiencing and cause you to retract, uh, cause businesses to, to stop investing, cause uh, consumers to stop buying. And so you give me the story of what's going to happen in 2019, that we're going to have, you know, uh, fiscal policy is going to screw up or monetary policy well, is going to screw Typically what happens, there's, you know, there's going to be well, some are, kind of bubble are, that happens and it, and it shocks the system and, 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 if and then we get, recover from it eventually. So, right. So if you, right. We always recover. Uh, even during the, the downturn, it was amazing how many people had forgotten the fact that business cycles happen. Um, but, the, you know, so you, in other words, if you give me your scenario and, and quite frankly, if any of your listeners ever hear uh, of, uh, you know, a, a, a recession in the future, the first question they should ask is, why? What is your story? Let the analyst, the economist, give them the story, and then the listener, business person, can then make an assessment of how likely, in their opinion, that story is. Okay. Great. Um, one other quick question. Um, you know, my understanding is that like my generation, say Ryan's generation, are less consumeristic than Jim's generation. Um, do you see that being a, um, a factor in manufacturing that might slow down the manufacturing output? So we're certainly seeing that with regard to what's happening. But at the same time, uh, the millennial generation is also a generation which has not seen great income growth. So it's kind of a chicken and the egg. Is it the fact that millennials aren't consuming as much because uh, having gone through and seeing what happened to their parents during the Great uh, Recession, they're a little more cautious? Or is it just the fact that they don't have the income to spend, so therefore they can't spend it? 
or or maybe just that they don't value things as much as they'd value you know doing yeah things. that's that that's that is certainly one of the questions out there and, and unanswered at this point but one that we are certainly at the fed uh looking at and trying to to figure out oh so you actually that is a point of research oh, for you guys right now absolutely we're, we're looking at to see whether or not uh this particular uh you know cohort of americans are behaving differently in terms of their purchases are they of creating more debt vehicles um they certainly have more debt with regard to the education. Of course. And then and the question is, you know, what if that is part of the reason why they're not doing some of this additional consumption? Um, uh, and, and, you know, they've been delaying getting married. They've been delaying going out and buying homes. So, but the question is, you know, will they eventually come back, but maybe with a little bit of a lag? So, and if, and if they're being a little more cautious, quite frankly, given the, the relatively overconsumption that was taking place during the you know for the baby boom generation it might be actually in the long run healthier for our economy okay like okay i was gonna make (laughs) i was gonna say something about ryan (laughs) that's okay (laughs) um anyway uh bill we're just we're just about out of time actually i was just motioning to ryan maybe we should make this into two episodes but um and i think this might not be a bad idea but uh absolutely what a pleasure to have you here today it was and, fun. and share uh your your dynamic knowledge you have of what's going on and um i i, I know i certainly enjoyed it and um i'm sure you did too Jason. yeah and it, it lo- i'd love to hear from the metalworking nation if they want us to have bill come on you know maybe once a year and talk about you know what's the state of I manufacturing would say right now would be great yeah yeah at least you know and just uh keep it going keep yeah, all that so good let, information going let, let jim and i know yeah so um you know, as I always say at the end of the show, I, I'm, I always get that feeling where I feel like we've done our done our job. We've done our due diligence. We we equipped and inspired that machine shop owner out in the middle of Nebraska. And hopefully based on the information that we shared today, that he's better equipped to make better decisions. Yeah, in, better in, business decisions. Yeah. He understands the economy a little bit better now. Yeah. Um, so we, we hope we've fulfilled that for you. And um how can our uh, listeners and our the Metalworking Nation get a hold of us? I would say the best way to get a hold of us is is through LinkedIn. Okay. Um, by right. by calling three one two seven two five zero two four five. Um, and we also um, we we post some great pictures on Instagram. So if you, if you want to follow us there, you'll see pictures of of Jim and I. Um, you'll see just recently you'll see some pictures of us at Sandvik in New yeah, Jersey. So um, if you want to check that out, we'd love to um, hear your comments on Instagram. Yeah, and LinkedIn's great for us personally, Jim Carr, Jason Zanger. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have a Making uh, Chips page, too, on uh, LinkedIn as well. So hit us up. Anyway, keep on making chips, and if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. This podcast exists to improve the manufacturing industry. We want to hear from you, the owners, managers, leaders, and engineers from the metalworking nation. What ideas do you want to share, and what keeps you up at night? We want you to take something away from this podcast that you can use to improve your company, your team, and yourself. So let us know what you want to hear, and we'll see you next time on Making Chips. We always say something about each other, right? I was going to say That's the beauty of the diversity. I was going to say something about Ryan getting hand-me-down underwear from his dad. So. Because <laughs> he doesn't oh, want to buy any anything new. <laughs> I don't wear underwear. <laughs> there he, you go. He's such a low consumer. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, man. Anyway, now that we know that. Um...
Uh, where were we? <laughs> I don't know. Well, we were talking about apparel coming back to the United States, so evidently yes, Ryan won't yeah. be helping, helping that out. No. Yeah, he's not going to help the uh, the sock economy or the underwear economy, apparently. <laughs>